Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM, where we talk to business leaders and experts to gain valuable insights that will help you move your business forward. Welcome to Conversations in Business. I'm Brian Eaton, CEO of RSM South Africa, and today I'm going to be in conversation with Kim Prattley, the Managing Director of Prattley's. Prattley's is a household name and really needs little introduction, but the company has had a long and interesting history that goes well beyond the Prattley product, uh, Prattley Putty products and other Prattley adhesive products. And we at RSM are really proud to have a relationship with the group since its inception. And Kim has held the position since 1983, following the death of his father and founder of Prattley's, um, George, or otherwise known as Monty Prattley, and has led the organization to success through many challenging times. Uh, formed in 1948, the company is engaged in manufacturing a broad range of products, in addition to the extensive range of adhesives. It's well known for the supply of electrical products into the mining industry, the mining of perlite and zeolite, uh, craft and decoupage products, and specialized hair products. In addition, the company has a laboratory which offers specialized analytic services. And whilst all these products and services are really diverse, they each have the innovative spirit that uh, Prattley's has, and it carries the personal commitment of Kim Prattley to quality. Uh, the companies and products have uh, received numerous accolades, not least of which was Prattley Putty being the first South African product to be used on the moon. So I'm chatting today to Kim about Prattley's journey to success and what it took to get there. So uh, Kim, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me. So 72 years, 1948, 72 years is a long time for any business, and particularly in the South African environment, it is a long time to be in business. Um, give us some idea as to what, is, what this journey of the practically business has been over the course of these 72 years. Yeah, 72 years is, is a long time. Uh, as you said earlier, the business, I'm second generation, was started by my father. He was a South African went to study in England, got caught up in the war, actually worked with Frank Whittle on the jet engine, um, interestingly, and, uh, and then joined the British Army, landed in Normandy, and after the war came back and started uh, practically. And he originally did jobbing and decided that jobbing had its limits. And he decided that he needed a product line that was a production where, where one could really get into production. And that's where we started, that's where he started with cable glands. And he developed a, well, he had a number of other products prior to that, but cable glands was the major one. And he developed and patented a unique cable gland, which we still sell today, and it is still unique today. He was a very innovative person. And what he did to get the company going was he developed the world's first igniter for mines, for explosives in mines. He sold the patent for that uh, to a company that was manufacturing delay fuses. And obviously this was a threat to their business and that gave him the capital to start. So that's where, that's where the journey began. I, I took over, as you said, in, in 1983 and have been running it since then. 
That's brilliant. Um, but over the years, I mean, having started from, uh, from jobbing and then gone into manufacture, um, you've developed an extensive range of products that, uh, and filed many, many patents. I think 350 patents um, over the period of the life of Prattley's. And this is a remarkable achievement in itself. But there must have been some products that um, failed along the way. I mean, you can't be this massively innovative company and have every product that's a success. And I guess the question is, so what did the failures teach you to help you make better products for the ones that succeeded? Yeah, very interesting question. That <laughs> If you're in R&D, uh, <laughs> the first thing you got to you, you know is that you have to kiss a lot of frogs. Um, and we've kissed lots of frogs. But yeah, we've come up with products that have been successful, obviously. But as you rightly point out, a number that haven't. And I think some of the lessons are, are interesting. <laughs> One is you have to listen to your customers, but you also have to understand that, um, you know, there's, there's the saying, be careful what you wish for. And sometimes customers wish for things which they don't really want. And if we don't filter what we're getting, we can go down some strange alleys sometimes. So, for example, the marketplace indicated to us that they needed an ultra-fast adhesive. So we developed the world's fastest uh, high-strength adhesive. It's still today the world's fastest high-strength adhesive. And thought, okay, we've achieved the objective. Put it into the marketplace. Complete failure. Reason being, it was so fast that nobody could position the parts accurately before they stuck. So, um, you know, the, the marketplace thought they wanted that, but they actually didn't. So we, we, have, to, we have to be a bit circumspect about what the market tells us. Um, the other thing is, when developing products, you have to beat a test, and then you test again. And when you're 100% sure it's, it's completely, it's perfect then you test again. <laughs> and I think <laughs> fanatical attention to detail. You know, quality, in my opinion, sort of rests on, on four legs. Uh, it's good housekeeping. It's, it's pride in the, in, in the company and the products. It's self-discipline. And most of all, it's fanatical attention to detail. And I think when you're developing products, fanatical attention to detail is, is really the biggest lesson. Yeah, but, but your research and development department must be extensive in order to be able to have done this and to be working on products all the time. So it's a vital part of, uh, of your business. So um, is that just part of the DNA as far as Prattley's is concerned, research and development? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, in business, there's no correct formula. Otherwise, everybody would be doing the same thing. So, you know, there, in, there might be some people who are traders at heart and they have a, a retail line which uh, competes the USPs of the product or price. Um, at heart, I'm an engineer and we've always had engineering people in the company. So in the DNA of the company, the, you know, the heart of it is innovation and new products and quality. So... You know, that's where we, we focus. 
And in order to, to achieve innovation, you have to have R&D. And you know, also, I, I must admit, if I come to work every day, um, one of the compelling reasons to get out of bed every morning is, is to run the R&D because it's, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, so you can go and play in your laboratories. Indeed. <laughs> so, Kim, innovation um, is uh, it's kind of a new buzzword for companies. And, uh, and in truth, uh, very few companies are truly getting it right. They have structures and uh, committees and all sorts of things to try and focus on innovation. But obviously, innovation is something which is at the core of what Prattley's does. Um, what's the secret? How did you get that right to have this innovative culture, which is the heart of what in everything that you do? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the words that you use there is, is the, the key, and that is culture. Um, it's, it's something that's in the DNA of everybody that comes here every day. And uh, the, I, I think it just becomes a way of life eventually that we are an innovative company and that's what we do. Uh, also, you know, we, on, on every pack of, of product that we have, there's a, a, a round circle with some wording in it, which basically says that the, the product, the quality of the performance of the product must exceed all others on the world market. And, and that's actually a, that's a huge statement. In fact, sometimes, you know, it lacks a bit of credibility because people think it's too big. But we really do try and try and achieve that. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the other thing that I think leads to successful innovation is the fact that we're a small company uh, with a very flat management structure. You get, very, you get some very large corporates where if you go into the laboratory, you'll find somebody somewhere who's really clever and has a, uh, an amazing idea and it sits in a bottom drawer in his office. And the reason for that is he's a scientist. He doesn't have the skills to sell an idea, so he's not a salesman, and he's too far removed from the decision makers in the company, so it never sees the light of day. Whereas here, if somebody has an idea, they have immediate access to the decision makers. And I think that's, that's partially what, what leads to the success. It's not so much that we, we, we have many more good ideas than anybody else. It's just that we're able to, to bring them to fruition. Yeah. And at, at what stage, I mean, because you've got so many products that you must be in the process of developing, at what stage do you make the decision to decide that it's commercially viable and you're going to put an investment behind it and actually take that product to market? That's a very difficult one to, to answer. You know, it, it's, it's always product dependent and it's project dependent. Yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, the stage at which you do that is when You've, you've essentially achieved all that testing. Um, so, you, you know, and it's always an iterative process. You never get it right first time. So, you know, there's a number of iterations and eventually you, can, you come to the, to the decision that, look, this is a, a go uh, because it's a good product and because we, we know the market that we're in. Yeah. And some, sometimes, sometimes we go into a market that we know nothing about and 
very often, you know, if you go and talk to the people who are, are in, in marketing, they always tell you, go and do lots of market research. And, and that's certainly one way. But the most accurate market research you can ever do is put the products on the market. Uh, it gives, <laughs> you an, gives you an instant answer and it's very accurate. Yeah, it is. I'm sure your customers will tell you whether they think you've developed a good product or not. But, yeah. uh, but that takes a lot of courage and it does take a lot of investment behind that. Uh, uh, we, you know, also, it's obviously a financial decision. So we, we run this business in, in a cash flush manner and we never, ever extend ourselves to the, to the point where if, if it doesn't, you know, if it's not successful, it, it has a detrimental effect on the, on the survival of the company. So we, we, would, we would never go and spend that amount of money that we've put all our eggs in one basket. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, Kim, as you know, I'm passionate about uh, family-owned businesses and, uh, and just have this belief that they play such an important role in our economy. And, uh, and in fact, right now, when we know our economy is shedding jobs at a horrendous rate, it's one of the few areas that we can look to to potentially provide future job creation. But one of the biggest issues, as we know, in family-owned businesses is the issue of succession. And, um, and you took over from your father, um, and you, you were at a very young age when you had to take on that responsibility um, because of your father's passing. Um, yeah, and hence, you might... hence the bold patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to get another one because you've now got your two sons, um, Andrew and Charles, who are working with you. And, um, and uh, that's, that's now into the third generation as far as the Prattleys are concerned. So how, how have you been able to deal with that succession? How have you prepared them for um, ultimately taking over this business? Um, what's, the, what's, the, what's the secret in terms of making sure that that succession will work and it'll preserve the Prattley organization for the next generation and, and they in turn are probably growing the fourth generation. So, uh, so what's the secret in terms of making sure that you can have that succession? The Holy Grail. <laughs> I, don't yeah. know, I don't know what the secret is. All, all I can tell you is, you know, you do your best and you hope for the best. But certainly, um, I think one of the very important things is don't have family in the business if they don't want to be in the business. They shouldn't go into the business simply because, you know, my father owns a business and therefore I'm going into the business. They need to be interested in the business and it needs to be part of their passion. And I, I really think one should not push family into, into businesses where, if they're not um, cut out for it. I'm very fortunate. Um, Andrew and Charles are both interested in the business. They, they um, operate in, in different fields within the business and they, and they are very, very valuable to me in the business operating in those fields. So I think that's, that's the one thing. Um, secondly, you know, as you probably know, um, first generation to second generation is, is difficult, but it's, it has a, a much higher success rate. Second generation to third generation is uh, very much more difficult, I think. And that's not just, that's not because of the people involved. That's because 
the environment changes, the, the life cycle of the business changes, the life cycle of products change. Um, and I think probably one of the other secrets is to really understand that the business has a life cycle or the business in its current form has a life cycle. And that's probably a two generation type thing. And so we are really working at the moment to change the nature of our business into and diversify into other things which are more appropriate for the 21st century. Um, that's not to say we're going to stop selling adhesives and stop producing um, electrical, you know, world-class electrical products and mining minerals. But there are other businesses which are more IT related and so on that, that are more appropriate for, you know, the, the next 72 years. And so we, we, we're really looking at that. And, uh, and also, I think, exposing the next generation to all aspects of the business so that they're not just stuck in a silo and suddenly one day finds that, gee, you know, we didn't know what goes on in, in the other division. Yeah. Well, that, that constant, uh, that constant, uh, rejuvenation of the business, the, the, as you referred to it, the business life cycle, it both has an has a importance as far as the business itself is concerned and every product that you've got in the business. Yes, yes. And, um, and this comes to, to the, the way in which practice has developed so many different products and refreshed and revised that to keep um, the relevance as far as the business is concerned. So that culture is already there and, um, and it's a matter of, yeah, making sure that you've got the relevance as far as not just the management ownership and control, but also the underlying products that you're supplying into the various markets in which you're servicing. There, there is, of course, a downside. Uh, you know, there's a downside to everything. And that mm. is being so diverse, you have to have a lot of skills under one roof in order to be at, you know, at the forefront of, of the various things that you do. And, and whoever's managing the operation obviously has to have their finger on the pulse of a of a very diverse range of things. So, you know, they, um, in, in South Africa in particular, sourcing those skills and keeping those skills is very difficult. Yeah. But just, um, just to, you mentioned the quality is, is first and foremost as far as all of your products are concerned. And I suppose there's that, that famous advert where you're standing under a 13 um, ton bulldozer, which is just held up by the fact that you've got two plates of metal glued together with one of your products. But um, do you think that that, that, that belief in, in the necessity of quality, the way in which you run the business, that is a core value to the business that you're actually running? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as I said earlier, um, I think everybody needs a needs a compelling reason to get out of bed every morning. And, and certainly that's our compelling reason is to maintain that level of quality and that level of performance of products. It, it gives you a, you know, a, a reason for, for carrying on. Um, and you have to have some core value to, to you know, aspire to and, and to keep you going. Uh, otherwise you lose your way. So that's ours. I'm not saying that that's, that's the universal 
one that all companies should be doing, but certainly that's, that's ours now. Well, there's not many companies that I know of where the uh, managing director signs off on quality in every product that is uh, delivered in terms of the packaging, I think, inserted into your packaging is that commitment of quality which carries your signature. So, uh, so that's a fairly big commitment that you're giving to the market. Yeah, it is. Um, the, you know, there, there might be some management consultants which would, would take issue with that. You know, you shouldn't have your, your finger in every single pie because you, you're not going to do your core job, which is, which is to ensure survival and growth. But, uh, yeah, that's just how we are. No, that's brilliant. But uh, just to turn to the COVID-19 pandemic um, and what it's done as far as organizations are concerned, um, how has Prattley's been able to respond to this and what's the impact that you're seeing both as far as your business but also your customers um, in terms of how it's impacting on business generally? Well, I think certainly on our industrial customers, it's, it's had a huge impact. Um, uh, and, and, you know, it's very sad to see so many companies actually uh, closing down or, or losing staff. Um, I've been interviewing just recently and every single person that I've interviewed has, has lost their job or is about to lose their job as a result of COVID. So, it, you know, one cannot underestimate the impact that it's had. We've been very fortunate here in, because we're diverse. And, you know, some of the products that we make, like the adhesive range, I think people are tending to fix things more during the, during the lockdown and because of financial strain than buying new things. So that's, it's fairly buoyant. Um, on the industrial side, it's, it's obviously not. Um, on our mineral side, we, we're also very lucky timing-wise because we had a number of new products in the pipeline. And, and they, they are just about to be launched. So um, these things will, will certainly help the bottom line. But I think, you know, in general, business doesn't change. It hasn't changed since the, the, the pyramids. The tools of business and the environment in which you operate that business, that's what changes. So the core values and so on here are, are not going to change. And I think the other thing that people want, and probably more so now during the COVID lockdown, is stability in their lives. And if we can provide just a, a smattering of stability, you know, practically is going to be around. Uh, you, if you go to your hardware store, you're still going to find a, a pack of practically putty, and it's made here in South Africa. And I, you know, I think people do actually appreciate that. Um, we are here for the long haul and we are still going to be around. So I think just doing what we do best uh, and continuing with that, obviously we can't be cavalier about it. We, we have to at the moment, uh, you know, curtail expenditure. Certainly non-essential expenditure has to be curtailed. But I, I also foresee something else that's happening and, and it's a trap. And that is people are so focused on survival at the moment that they lose sight of the fact that businesses only survive if they grow. So they are not spending any money on growth issues and, and just uh, bunk, hunkering down and, and, uh, and trying to 
to maintain what they have without looking into the future and saying, you know, somewhere along the line, COVID will be over and we need growth. So it's a, it's a very fine balance between these two things. What can you afford to do and what can you afford not to do? And there's, um, but it, it's wonderful to hear that you must be one of the few companies that's actually engaging in interviewing in order to look at recruiting additional staff. I mean, the one thing is that the, the, sadly, there are lots of staff who are available, lots of talent which is out there because they might have been, they might have lost their positions due to um, the, 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 the issues that have happened in their past employment. But it's great that, that you find yourselves in a position that this is the opportunity to look for talent. Yeah, look, we, 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 we had vacancies before the, before the lockdown, and they, they, they are easier to fill now. Uh, but also, you know, it's a, it's a question of looking into the future and saying part of our, our survival is that we still have to grow. And if companies don't grow, they don't survive. Yeah. So, Kim, just, um, just looking at that, kind of reimagining what the future is going to look like. And it's not going to look like the past, but it's certainly, as you say, there is a future and we need to reimagine what that future looks like. So your products have, uh, I mean, they're as diverse as going to, going to the moon or at the bottom of the oceans where I think uh, some of the practically products were used to patch up ships, which were refloated. Um, what's next? What, do you, what, what can you do next, um, having that legacy of what you've already done? Um, can you can you can you do something which is going to be equally um, amazing as far as that's concerned, or is it really just a matter of making sure that you continue to focus on quality, continue to focus on innovation? What's next as far as Prattley's is concerned? Well, as as I said earlier, you know we we are looking at, at completely diversified businesses and, and changing to some extent changing the nature of the business. But, you know, Elon Musk is going to Mars, so, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be there. <laughs> and it's going to be useful stuff on Mars. Um, but I think, I think because we have these, these different businesses, we have a lot of skills, a lot of diverse skills under one roof. And if one can manage those and pull them together, um, you know, technologies in, in one field influence technologies innovatively in another field. For example, people often ask us, where is the synergy between electrical cable fittings and adhesives? Well, the interesting thing is that modern electrical cable fittings, especially ones that are, are for hazardous environments, you know, like offshore oil rigs and so on that can, that can explode, um, rely to a large extent on polymeric materials in order to achieve safety. Now, adhesives are just special kinds of polymers. So we have that science. No other electrical company that makes these kinds of products has polymer science to bring to bear on those products. So we end up with, with innovative electrical products as a result of skills in, a, in another area. And I think we'll continue to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've we should be able to bring out innovative new products. And watch this space. Uh, I think before the end of the year, we might have one that will surprise 
<laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Kim, thank you very much indeed. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for participating. It's been a real pleasure and privilege to, uh, to have this time to spend with you. And, um, and we can just wish you, as uh, on behalf of uh, RSM, wish the company every success in whatever you're doing. And, um, and please, you, your family, and all of your colleagues at Prattley, stay safe in these times. So thank you very much indeed, Kim. Thank you, Brian. And, and just whilst you're on the line, it's been a pleasure working with RSM for 72 years. Thanks very much indeed, Kim. That was Conversations in Business with RSM. Experience the power of being understood. Experience RSM. Visit rsmza.co.za.